Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning, C4. Happy Thanksgiving to you. It's good to have you here this morning, and especially if you're a guest or a visitor with us, uh, great to have you. Thank you for choosing uh, to come out and join us at church on a great Thanksgiving long weekend. And to those who will be joining a little bit later online, happy Thanksgiving to you, the real Thanksgiving, the Canadian one, that is. And so if you're in the U.S., you're confused, but that's okay. So it's great. It's great. And we're in this great series that we've got going on here called All Over the Earth. It's our theme for the year, and we're kicking off the year by concentrating on on this series of messages about All Over the Earth, which is really a presentation on hope. Hope that we have in the past, hope that we have in the future, and hope that you and I have in the right now because of what God is doing uh, in and among us. Uh, How many of you were here last weekend? Just show of hands. How many of you were here last weekend? Baptisms, just one of my favorite times at C4. It's so awesome to see baptisms. Last week, I got the privilege of participating in the baptisms, and I baptized a young man who was uh, walking by uh, what he thought was a party, and he heard the music going, and he heard the kind of the party atmosphere, so he came in to join the party, and lo and behold, it was our young adults having church together, and the guy met Christ, and we baptized him last weekend. Like, that's outstanding. That's awesome. It's so good, right? So exciting. And then also, uh, at the end of one of the services last week, there was a husband and wife who got baptized, and uh, so powerful um, just to hear some of their story as I interviewed them prior to the baptism. And, and the young woman, uh, the wife in the relationship, uh, was from grown-up uh, Muslim, And then came to faith in Jesus Christ. And right after Pastor John baptized her last week, I went up to her and I hugged her. And she was still shaking. Because she understands the depth of the public declaration that she has just made. She's come to Jesus. See, God is doing something unique among us here at C4. God is doing something in our day and in our time so we can be filled with hope. God's work is unstoppable. It cannot be stopped. God's kingdom cannot be stopped. God's kingdom is bursting forth. The beauty is breaking forth in the midst of brokenness all around us. And you can't stop this movement of God. And we're seeing God show up in so many unique ways. We believe that God has started something very unique even here at C4. And we're excited about that. We're in a unique season as a church. And we're seeing the kingdom of God, the work the reign and the rule and the power and the presence of Christ in so many ways among us. And it's in the midst of that that we can have hope. We can hope because God has made good and faithful promises to us. He has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. And he is faithful right now to you and I as God has given us great promises. This past week, my wife Jen and I were just, we were sitting around one day. I think it was on my day off, and we were just in one of those kind of reflective moods. We were just sitting, talking with each other, just talking back and forth. And we were just kind of reminiscing and reflecting on the last 12 months of our lives. And, you know, people that we know, extended family, close family, and just some of the things that have happened in our lives. You know, there's been some major transitions in our family in the last 12 months alone. Like the pace of change has been so rapid. There have been things that have happened in our family over this past year that Jen and I were just reflecting on and talking about. On a really positive note, on a really good front, I gained two daughters-in-law this past year. I'm so excited about that. It's so good. It's so awesome. 
And uh, Josie and Jen are such a welcome addition to our family. And it's just so good, you know, to have more females in the house. We're a male-dominated family. And so, like, I'm working on my softer side, and they're helping me with that. And so it's so good. It's so much fun. On a really positive note in that, when both guys left, they took their dogs with them. We are so grateful and so thankful that they took their dogs with them. And God bless you as families. I believe in that leave and cleave thing that happens, you know. And it includes the dogs. I renovated our kitchen over this last winter, and, and that's been a major transition even physically in the house. And, you know, it's actually looking not too bad despite spilling paint all over my new floor and all over my new cabinets. You know, it's actually turned out not too bad at all. Thank God, you know, for latex paint. It comes up eventually. Um, on a sadder note, uh, Jen and I have lost some good friends this past year to cancer uh, and other really close friends with us and family members have gotten really bad news this year on a medical front. And so we're walking through with friends whose marriages are breaking up and with friends who are facing all kinds of things. Change, transitions, they, they happen to all of us. And, you know, we're not unique in that. Some of you have had, you know, serious changes in your families too. I, I think that's one of the reasons why as human beings we resist change for the most part. Like in general, some of us love change and we're early adapters and we, we jump in really quick. But for the most part, most people really resist change. Many people approach change you know, with fear and have trouble adapting to the uncertainties that surround change. But for all of us, change is actually needed. <laughs> change is a good thing in the end. Shifts come about and transitions come our way and they're absolutely necessary because without change, without shifts, without transitions in our lives, you know, we'd never really learn and we'd never really grow and we'd never really mature as people. And that's why we need hope. (laughs) That's why hope is so important to us. We've changed in the past and God has shown himself faithful to us. We have hope for the future And even in the right now, as we face transitions and as we face changes in life, we have hope in the midst of that because God has always come through for us and he will always come through for us. This morning, what I'd like to do as we continue this series of messages on all over the earth is I'd like to take a look at the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament. And so if you've got a paper Bible or if you've got an electronic Bible, I'd invite you to navigate there. You can navigate to Matthew chapter 9, but we're going to actually talk about the whole book of Matthew today. And so I hope that no one's actually got dinner in the oven because uh, we're going to do the whole book of Matthew this morning. You think I'm kidding, right? Okay, well, here we go. So Matthew's account of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a couple things we need to know about Matthew because it's important for us. Matthew uh, was written to a Jewish audience, and it's also written from a Jewish perspective. Now, that becomes important in a number of different ways as we try to understand the message of the book of Matthew, and it will be important to us a little bit later on this morning. You'll see why in just a few moments. But what I want to do is I want to outline just really a high-level view of the entire book of Matthew, and we are going to move through it fairly quickly. I want to do that because I want you to see that in the book of Matthew, there are some transitions that happen, and these transitions are vitally important. These changes, these shifts that take place in the book of Matthew are important for you and me to understand and have absolute applicability to us sitting in this room today and to those of you who are going to be watching online a little bit later on. 
Now, the wonderful thing about the book of Matthew is that each time one of these shifts take place, there's a clue that's given to the shift. The same verse is used every time to signify the shift that actually takes place. And so it's easy for us to pick it up. Then we can, we can begin to understand why is this verse being repeated? Why is this verse in there? What is the shift that's taking place? What are we moving from and what are we moving to? And that's really what I want to highlight this morning as we talk about service in the church and the need for service. So the first four chapters of the book of Matthew are really all about Jesus getting ready to start his earthly ministry. In chapters 1 and 2 of Matthew, you have the birth and the childhood of Jesus. Now, again, Matthew has to cover this because he's writing to a Jewish audience. So Matthew starts out his gospel account with a genealogy of Jesus. See, it's really important, and it was important to all Jews in, in those days to understand where does this person come from? What is their lineage? What is their pedigree? What is their line that they come through? And so Matthew takes takes the time to trace back the generations of Jesus because he wants to show that ultimately Jesus is in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies that said that someone from David's line would ultimately be the Messiah. And so Matthew does that in chapter 1. Also in in Matthew's chapter 1 and chapter 2, we have angelic encounters. Very, very important, again, for Jewish people in, in, in those days coming to announce the birth of Jesus and coming to get involved in the birth of Jesus, angelic beings come and they appear, you know, to to different people, to Joseph and to, to others. And so it's very, very important. And Matthew is emphasizing all of this. He's also showing that Jesus' birth and and childhood is an absolute fulfillment of what the Old Testament said about Jesus. So he's linking the good news of Jesus, the life of Jesus, back to the Old Testament. Vitally important with a Jewish audience. Then we move into Matthew chapter 3. And in Matthew chapter 3, we read about John the forerunner. Again, this is very, very important. John has been going around, and he has been announcing that the good news of the kingdom is near. Hasn't yet come, but is near. It's approaching. And so he's calling men and women to be baptized with water in, in repentance for their sins because there's this kingdom that's about to be ushered in. Again, you know, this is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. You look back at the Old Testament prophecies that said that a forerunner, that someone would go before Jesus, the one who would point to Jesus would come. And that's exactly what John says. John says, I'm not the one you're to look to. I'm only here to point the way to the one. And it's very important that Matthew establishes this for his Jewish audience. And then in chapters 3 and 4, we have Jesus actually preparing for his ministry. Jesus himself is baptized And and a voice comes from heaven that says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus signifies the beginning of his earthly ministry with this, this baptism. And then we see Jesus being tempted in the wilderness by Satan. And then Jesus begins to call in in Matthew chapter 4. He begins to call followers to himself. And what Jesus is trying to do here is is establishing himself as a teacher, as a rabbi. Because the rabbis in those days would allow disciples to come and follow them. And they would build into these disciples. They would train them. They would equip them to become like them. And so what Jesus is saying in the calling of his disciples is he's saying, I think you can be like me. I want you to do the kinds of things that I am going to do. And so come and follow me. Come and see. Come and and understand. Come and learn. Come and get involved is what Jesus is really saying. And so at the end of Matthew chapter 4, we get our transitional verse for the first time. It's found in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23. And it says this. 
Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And this is the transitional verse that happens three times in the book of Matthew. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Now, this verse is important for a number of different reasons. It is a transitional verse, and, and so it gives you th- this, uh, this clue. It, it helps us with this literary clue that something is happening. But it's also important, too, because it, what it does is it outlines the actual teaching or the actual ministry of Jesus. Jesus came essentially to do three things while he ministered here on earth. It says, first of all, that he taught in the synagogues. Jesus, as a rabbi, as a teacher who taught with authority, as someone who has drawn disciples to himself, has the authority now to go into the synagogues, and he is to open the Old Testament, and he would say to people, this is what the Old Testament says, now let me tell you what this means. That's the first part of Jesus' ministry. And you remember that very early on in his ministry, it's recorded elsewhere, that Jesus went in and he read from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 61 right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news, right? And he went on through that passage, and at the end of it, he said, here's my interpretation. Today, this has been fulfilled in your presence. The second thing that Jesus did, he taught in the synagogues, but he also preached the good news of the kingdom. See, everybody was anticipating a kingdom in Jesus' day. See, they lived in an occupied land. We see this all over the news now, and it doesn't mean anything. It means very little to us here because we've never been in an occupied land. (laughs) But the Jews in Jesus' day were living in their own country, but the Romans had come in, and they were dominating them. They were dominating them physically, emotionally, spiritually. They were dominating them in so many ways. And Everybody who was a Jew was waiting for the Messiah to come along, for a revolutionary to come along, someone who would overthrow these Romans and kick them out of our country, someone who would restore us back to the glory days, you know, the good old days of King David when everything was rosy. Now, it's never rosy, but that's how they remembered it. And so everyone was looking, you know, for a Messiah, for for a revolutionary to come and overthrow these guys. They were looking for someone who maybe would come and be a military power, someone who could actually kick them out physically. They were looking for someone who would be a political savior, who would come and bring, you know, a whole new system that actually would work. And some of them were looking for a spiritual savior too, someone who would come and deliver them from the, the oppression So Jesus taught in the synagogues and he preached the good news of the kingdom of God because he is announcing a kingdom. Now, I'll give you a heads up. We're going to find out in a second or two. It's not the kind of kingdom people were looking for, but he did come to announce a kingdom. So he's preaching the good news of the kingdom. And the third part of Jesus' ministry, to authenticate his teaching and his preaching, Jesus did miracles. He healed all kinds of diseases, all kinds of sickness, and he showed his authority over Satan and death. And that is the transitional verse that happens three times in the book of Matthew. Now, this verse then signifies that something now is happening. So, Jesus has gathered some followers to himself. He has begun his public ministry. So, what is this transition verse in there now for? Well, I believe why it's in there is because Jesus is saying, I've been prepared now for ministry. I've gotten myself ready for ministry. I have pulled some followers around me, and some other people are now interested as I'm doing some miracles. But now, here's the invitation. The invitation is, come and see. I want you to come and see. I want you to come hang around me. I want you to see what I am about and what I am doing. 
And this come and see part lasts for Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 9. In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus says, come and see, and I want to talk to you now about the value system of the kingdom that I have come to establish. Now, we spent some time, Pastor John taught all through the Sermon on the Mount. You need to go back and listen to that. But very briefly, what Jesus was doing by talking about things like adultery and murder and about other values, you know, uh, talking about salt and light and prayer and fasting and giving and all these kinds of things, Jesus was saying, look, everyone's waiting for a revolutionary. Here's the kind of revolutionary that I am. I have come to establish a kingdom that I am king of. It is the kingdom of God. Anywhere where the reign and rule of God is present, Jesus said, that is the kingdom of God. And so all the way through Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he is doing that. And then in chapters 8 and 9, we get the kingdom authentication Jesus then begins to do miracles. Jesus is saying, look, you've, ha- you've heard me teach in the synagogue, and you've heard me preach out loud, and I'm talking about these great kingdom values. Now, you want to see what kind of kingdom I have brought, what kind of kingdom I am ushering in? Let me authenticate it now to show you that there is real power and real authority behind what I'm saying to you. And so in Matthews 8 and 9, we see people getting healed of leprosy, people who are demon-possessed, you know, being set free. A blind mute receives both... Uh, their sight and is able to speak. A person is raised from the dead. Jesus is showing that he has victory and that he has power and that he has authority over sin and over death and over Satan. And Jesus is doing all of that and he's invited followers, an ever-growing number of followers, to come and see. Just come and watch me do my thing, Jesus is saying. And then at the end of Matthew chapter 9, we run into our verse again. See, what Jesus is trying to show everybody is this. You know, where there's sickness and suffering, Jesus brings relief. Where there is hopelessness, Jesus brings hope. Where there is confusion about God, Jesus brings clarity. Where there is bondage and imprisonment, Jesus brings freedom. Where there is death, Jesus brings abundant life. Where there is mourning, Jesus brings comfort. And where there is war and strife, Jesus brings peace. That's what chapters 5 through 9 are all about. And people have been watching him. They've been tagging along, some of them following really up close and some following at a distance. But this whole episode has been about just come and see. And then in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, we get these words. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. It's the exact same verse. It's Matthew 4, 23 repeated. And so some time has gone by, and Jesus has been doing all of this come and see stuff. And so now this is a clue to us. It's a literary clue that in Jesus' mind, something has shifted here. What is it that's shifted? Well, I think what Jesus is saying is no longer come and see. I think what Jesus is now saying is come and get involved. Now, why do I say that? Well, look at what comes after Matthew chapter 9, 35. Look at verses 36 to 38. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. See, the, the, the crowds have begun to grow. See, at first when Jesus was starting to do his thing, it was quite manageable. 
But, but now, because of his preaching and his teaching, and because of the authentication, because people are actually getting set free from demon possession, and because people are getting healed of all kinds of sicknesses and diseases, and some are even being raised from the dead, that drew a crowd, my friends. That grew a huge crowd. And now Jesus signifies that something has to change. Something has to shift. In these verses, in 36 to 38, we see Jesus' great heart for people. Verse 36 actually says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And the word compassion really means a gut reaction. Like Jesus actually had a visceral reaction. Something inside him happened. See, Jesus has come to announce the good news of the kingdom of God. And so far, there, there haven't been a lot of respondents to the kingdom of God. There are not a lot of disciples yet, but there certainly are huge crowds that are being drawn. And when Jesus looks at these huge crowds, something happens inside him. He is moved with compassion. See, Jesus loves people so much that something stirred in him when he saw these huge crowds. And he was stirred so much because of what it also says in these verses. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I love that Matthew uses a powerful metaphor to explain what was going on in the heart and in the mind of Jesus. To show us why Jesus was so, why he had such a strong gut reaction when he saw the people. And the metaphor that he uses is sheep, which is a great metaphor. It's a great metaphor because people understood sheep in Jesus' days. There were tons of sheep all around. People, it was just so common. And, and he uses that for a couple of reasons. First thing he says is that when Jesus looked at the people, he was moved with compassion because, it says, they were harassed and helpless. And this is, this is picture language. Harassed and helpless means that when you would have a herd of sheep, herd, right? Yeah, herd of sheep. I was going to say flock. The crowd is divided. There's no unity. Okay. A bunch of sheep. When you have a bunch of sheep running around, and a predator would come among the sheep, they would just run in, and the sheep would be divided. And the predators, oftentimes wolves or lions, they would come in, and they would just start biting and ripping apart the sheep. And as they would rip them apart, they would throw them and cast them aside. That is harassed and helpless. That's what Jesus sees when he looks upon the crowd. They're harassed and helpless. The predator has come in among them. He is ripping them to shreds and he is casting them aside. And Jesus is moved with compassion for people. He is stirred inside. The other reason that this metaphor is so powerful and so brilliant is because, again, to a Jewish audience, they would, they would assuredly have hearkened back to two specific events in the Old Testament. After the children of Israel were de delivered in the Exodus event under Moses' leadership, and they went out into the 40-year wanderings because of their disobedience, God the Father looked upon his people and said, they are like sheep without a shepherd. Same thing happened after they came back from the Babylonian exile under the prophet Zechariah. Again, God says, my people are like sheep without a shepherd. And the inference here is, God himself will come and shepherd his people. And what Matthew is undeniably doing here is he is saying, Jesus is God. 
That's why he has this heart of compassion. And that's why he will come in when you are helpless and harassed. And like God the Father, because he is God the Son, he will shepherd you. He is the good shepherd. See, Jesus' response to seeing more and more and more people showing up to his ministry events wasn't that he doubled his speaking schedule. Like he didn't go back to the disciples and he didn't say, hey, there's a lot of people coming out. We should go with two services, you know? Maybe we should do a Saturday night one too, you know? That, that, that wasn't Jesus' response. Jesus didn't say, hey, you know what? We're taking a lot of time between ministry gigs. You know, we walk a lot. I'm buying everyone a new camel. New, the latest camels for everybody, you know? Two humpers, it's going to be great. We'll do ministry in style here, okay? That wasn't Jesus' response. The interesting thing is, the key to building the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, and seeing the movement that he has started flourish, is to add more workers. See, that's the key. And that's what this transitional verse signifies. Jesus has moved from come and see to come and get involved. There's an invitation now. Jesus knows that the only way to minister to these ever-growing crowds, to these increasing ministry responsibilities, is not for Jesus to burn out and do more and more himself, but for Jesus to take some of the people who've been alongside him, who've been invited to come and see, and to challenge them now with a new challenge that says, come and get involved. Here at C4, a few years ago, our response to more and more people coming was to add a second service. See, that was our response, and, and, and we believe that that's, that's the kind of thing that Jesus has been doing. And we added a second service so that we could actually multiply, multiply ministry opportunities, multiply the environments for more and more people to get connected and to meet Jesus and to grow up in their faith. But it took some people coming and getting involved in order for us to do that. Now, in response to the great things that God is doing among us, and in belief and in faith in the promises that God has made among us, you know, we're going to add, and we're expecting multiplication, because we're going, to, we're going to add another location, another location in four weeks' time up in Port Perry. And we believe that by adding that, that location, we will see a multiplication effect, because that's always what happens in the kingdom of God. And so we need more and more people to get involved so that we can add to see multiplication. See, Jesus' strategy all along has always been for other people to do the ministry that he was doing himself. Well, again, we run into our transition verse, and this time we find it in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, where Jesus is about to send out the disciples. And he says this to them, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, I know some of you are so astute, you're you're Bible scholars, and you're like, oh, Dave, it doesn't say teaching in the synagogues. You're wrong. Well, the reason it doesn't say teaching in the synagogues is because the disciples would never be allowed to do that. See, they weren't trained rabbis. These were fishermen and tax collectors. You know, these were zealots and other kinds of people. They would never be allowed to go into the synagogues and to take the Old Testament and expound it to the people. So Jesus, he doesn't want to create controversy. Now, if you want to see if my theory really holds up, what did the Apostle Paul do in the book of Acts every time he went into a new location? Because Paul was a trained rabbi. Paul always went to the Jewish synagogue first, always. So Paul was following Jesus' methodology very clearly. 
But he can't do that. And so what Jesus says is, look, let's, let's, let's avoid the controversy. Let's not go into where you're going to get kicked out of, guys. So here's what I want you to do. Go preach the good news. Go what you've heard me preaching. You know, borrow all my sermons. Just take all my sermons. You guys go proclaim the good news of the kingdom. And he then says to them, what I also want you to do is I want you also to do the very things I've been doing. And look at the list that Jesus gives them. Because if you look back... In Matthew chapter 8 and 9, these are the miracles that Jesus did. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those of leprosy, drive out demons. In other words, what Jesus is saying to them is, I want you to go and get involved. But I want you to do more than that, because here's the third transition as I see it. Come and be amazed. See, Jesus has been saying all along, right? So come and see. Now come and get involved. And now I want you to come and be amazed as I entrust ministry to you, as I send you to do the very things that I have been doing myself. So let me tie all of this back to what Pastor John has been preaching over the last few weeks. It's all about hope. And in this present time, what Pastor John has been teaching us over the last couple of weeks is that in this unique moment, this unique season of our church, we have hope because God has started something. God has started something supernatural, something unique. God has started a move of renewal and revival and awakening amongst us. I heard a story this week about, you know, right out of Zechariah chapter 8, about someone actually asking people if they go to C4 because they want to come. Like, just right out of what we've been talking about. So last week, Pastor John talked about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, Jesus says... Go and make disciples. And John talked a lot last week about what does a disciple look like? What are the marks of a disciple? How do we know if we are a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? What are some of the things that we need to be doing? I mean, there's, there's hundreds of things, but if you want to get some of the core essence, what do they look like? And so we did a great job, and if you weren't here last week, you need to go back and look at that. It's about belief, and the sign of believing in Jesus and coming to faith in Jesus is baptism. That's why we keep saying, if you haven't been baptized yet, and you're a believer, a follower of Jesus, you, you need to get baptized. Why? It's a sign to everyone. It's a declaration to everyone that you've believed. So belief is the first thing. The second one is weekly attendance at church. We do church big together. We believe in doing church big together as a church. We're, we're you know, I, I don't know about you, but when I do my own devotions on my own and I kind of sing, it doesn't sound like when Dan and the team lead. Like I like that it's loud because n- nobody can really hear me. So it's good, and, and so we gather together like this. You script your own worship experience six days a week, but we gather like this together, and we come together, and we sit under the teaching and, and the preaching of the Word of God, and we do that together. So weekly attendance is so important. The third thing that's really important in our discipleship model here is that you need to get connected. We believe in doing church big, but we also believe in doing church really small too. And so Pastor Lori always says to us, you know, you need to get into a connect group. You need to get into a connect experience. And the wonderful thing about connect groups is this, is that there are people there. There are a bunch of people that you're doing life with together. And and they will notice your spiritual growth. And they will notice if something wrong, you know, or terrible has happened in your life. Our connect group talked about this this past Thursday when we met. And we realized, yeah, that is one of the marks of our connect group. 
And so we were so excited about that. And then the fourth thing that you need to do is you need to serve. And that's why I'm talking to you this morning. Because we need to serve. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said this. He said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you take the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And the go and Great Commission really is as you were going, as you were in your ordinary everyday life. It's not a command to necessarily go to, the, you know, to foreign countries. It's as you're going about your everyday life, make disciples. And so Jesus then helps us. Like, where are we to do that? Strategically, Jesus, how are we to do that? How can we think of that in a way that you would want us to look after it? And Jesus says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem was the immediate surrounding where the church was, where the disciples, where they lived, you know, where they did church together, where they hung out together, where their immediate influence was. And for us, Jerusalem is C4. For us, Jerusalem is C4. Next, Jesus said, and you're to be my witnesses also in Judea and Samaria. And for us, Judea, Samaria is the GTA. See, and it's interesting because Judea is, is the land of the Jews where Jerusalem is, and it's kind of friendly in nature because everybody gets along there. But then when you go into Samaria, things get a little bit ugly because the Samaritans were at best cousins. They shared some of the same beliefs, but they had a lot of things. They kind of hated each other. And so Jesus says, you need to jump some boundaries a little bit as you become my witnesses. And so for us, with all of the nations coming to the GTA, there's lots of people that are like us, but there are lots of people who are not like us. And so we have to jump some prejudices. We have to jump over some socioeconomic barriers in order to do ministry. And that's Judea Samaria for us. And then the uttermost parts of the earth, you're going to have to come back next week to hear all about that. So I'm going to talk about that next week. See, some of you are just checking out church. And that's great. We welcome you here at C4. We, we love that you come to check out church. Some of you are just kind of come and see people right now. You're, you're still checking things out, and you're not sure about this whole Jesus thing and about church, and, and that's great. We love that you're here. But some of you have been at C4 for a while. Some of you have actually crossed over the line of faith, and you've given your life to Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning to, to come and get involved now, to move from come and see to come and get involved you know, there's lots of places that you can, you can serve. There are tons of places for you to get involved, and we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But some of you are thinking to yourself maybe this morning, look, you know, I am a Christian, and I am involved, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm serving in some places, but, you know, I don't feel like I'm really serving in my sweet spot. I would invite you to come and be amazed. See, one of the things I would encourage you to do is take one of the courses that we have here called SHAPE. It talks about your spiritual gifts, your heart or the things that you're really passionate about, about your natural abilities. It talks about your personality, and it talks about your life experiences, hence the acronym SHAPE. And come and understand those things. How has God uniquely wired you that we could put you into a, a place in ministry where you are absolutely hitting a home run every week? See, that's possible, and we believe that. You can come and be empowered because your spiritual gifts, as Pastor John says to us all the time, are the guaranteed place of power for you. So you want to come and be amazed? Know who you are. Know your gifts. Know your passion and your heart and your experiences and your abilities and bring them all together to bear in a ministry. And there's a place for you. There's a place that your shape fits at C4. 
I want to, guys, can you put the picture up? None of you have ever been here. It's not much of a place, actually. It's called the Lisburn Hall. How many people have been to the Lisburn Hall? Yeah, no one. That's what I thought. So this is in a little village called Lisburn in Northern Ireland. It's about a mile and a half from where I grew up. And every Friday night, one couple who had four helpers used to run a youth group meeting, a hangout time for youth in the area. Now, when I grew up, I grew up in in the 70s in Ireland, and that was known as the time of the Troubles, when all of the fighting and bombing and shooting and stuff like that was going on. And so there wasn't much for us to do as kids. And so many kids used to go there, and there was this one couple and four helpers who used to open this place up every Friday night. It had a foosball table in it, it had ping pong in it, and I think that was kind of about it. (laughs) And they didn't have lights going, there was no smoke, there's no mirrors, there's nothing like that. But these four people really loved kids. And so faithfully, every Friday night, in this little place, 50 to 100 teenagers would come in. For all kinds of wrong reasons, they would come in. And this couple and their four helpers shared their lives with those people, and they shared the love of Jesus with them in every way they could possibly think of it. And I was one of those kids. About a month ago, I just connected with some of my friends, my school classmates from Ireland on Facebook. It's been so good to catch up after years and years. Like I was 14, 12 to 14 when I was going here, and now I'm 38, so that's a long time. (laughs) And so so I reconnected with some of these people, and it's been great. And here's the conversation that we had. Do you know how many of us became followers of Jesus in this place? And do you know how many people are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world because of this place? Friends, there's tons. It actually gets a little bit scary when you start thinking about it and start, you know, counting up the people who are pastors and missionaries and evangelists out of this place with one couple and four helpers. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are so few We need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into his field so that we can see the kingdom of God multiply and see exponential growth into the kingdom. In your seats, there's a card. I I want everyone, please, I would invite you to grab the card right now and the pen, and I believe the pen is a gift to you. Is that right? I'm I'm getting nods from the right people. (laughs) You can keep the pen because we're adding more services and more locations here at C4, and because there's more and more ministry going on, and we believe that there are more and more people who have come and are going to come, because God has done something unique among us, we need more of you to move out of the come and see zone and move into the come and get involved zone. And so this card is an invitation to you to simply put in your name and put in an email address so that we can connect with you, And then you'll see that there are three different venues, three different places that you can serve. You can serve here, you can serve with our young adults, or you can serve up in the north, in C4 North Durham. 
And then below that, after you've decided sort of where you're going to connect and where you're going to hang out most, then there are a number of ministry areas. Now, there's lots of things going on in all of those ministry areas, but there's some ministry areas that then you can check off. So I would invite you to fill that in now. And Dan, I'm going to invite you and the team to come and to get ready to lead us in some response. Now, if you don't know where you want to serve, if you're like, I'm not really sure what my spiritual gifts are, I, I, you know, I haven't taken the shape thing, I'm kind of new to C4, I, just help me. Just put your name and an email address and leave the rest blank. Well, you can tick off the location, but leave the rest blank and someone will get back to you and there's lots of opportunity for us to get you plugged in. So I want to invite everyone now. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to invite everyone to just fill this card out. Once you've filled it out, as you exit the service today, the ushers are going to be there with some baskets, and you can simply put your card in there, and someone will follow up with you to help get this process started. So let me pray for us. So Lord, thank you so much uh, for all that you have done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that, that you came and that you gave your life for us so that we might have eternal life, so we might have a way back to you. Lord, help us, you know, to be filled with compassion as we look upon people. Help us to know and understand your great heart for uh, people, especially lost people, but also for our brothers and sisters who need us to serve them so that they can actually grow in their faith too. Jesus, we know that you will do incredible things in us and through us as we yield ourselves to you. So lead and guide those who are wrestling with filling this card out right now. Would you give them great courage and great wisdom? And we dedicate um, all that's going to happen coming out of this to your name and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.